I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill. And I'm Steve. We're the Grace Guard Dogs. We're the Grace Guard Dogs. Glad that you you all are here, too. Thank you for tuning in. We are new creations in Christ. And we don't know what that means, huh? Not a clue. Not a clue. But it sure sounds promising. Sounds good, doesn't it? Tell me how that sounded to you or what you thought that meant 30 years ago. I thought it more like a target verse, something I could claim one day. That someday you... Why would you say it was someday off in the future? Because I saw... You know how it goes on to say, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, archaic things, and behold, all things are new. Well, sometimes I saw new things, but a lot of times I saw some of the old things, so I wasn't really sure I was a new creation. And that's that's how I judged my Christian life based on whether I was I was a better person or I was the same old person trying to be a better person. Just felt like I hadn't arrived yet, promising new creation, so to speak. Yeah, I kind of have the same testimony. I would read this passage and say, if anybody's in Christ, he's a new creation. And I, I would go, man, this new creation is awful dirty. I, I didn't feel clean enough to be a, a new creation. So for years and years and years, I said, well, what is a new creation? I, I can't understand what it could be because I certainly don't measure up. You couldn't call me a new creation. I still mess up too much. Would you say you saw it as this guy's a new creation, this guy's not a new creation, rather than what's really taught. I'm kind of giving away the <laughs> plot here. Did you see it that way, though? You would say... Yeah, yeah I would go, that guy really has it together. He, he's a new creation, man. I remember how he used to be and how he is now. That guy's a new creation. Yeah, you know, and you would hear... There was a testimonies used to be a big, big thing in the 80s when I became a new creation. And a guy would get up there and say, I used to 
drink, smoke, cuss, chew, beat my wife, cheat on my taxes. And then I got saved and I stopped all those things. And we could say, wow, that guy's a new creation. He's not doing the old things. But then you could see someone that genuinely had a conversion experience and you could still see some of the old things that they weren't hiding quite as well as some of the other. I found that a lot of times what I thought was a new creation was people maybe hiding a lot of their life and only presenting the best, you know, putting on your church face. Oh, I would never do that. (laughs) (laughs) Then you see them out at a bar one night and do the mutual you don't say anything and I don't say anything. <laughs> or they fall off the pedestal we had put them on. That too. And we're talking specifically about a, a scripture found in Second Corinthians. It, it's 5.14. 5.14 and following. The whole passage is what we're looking into for those of you who want to flip through the Bible as we go through this podcast. Let's look at 14 because it's a fact it's yeah. not there's no if in okay 14 okay 514 right the love of christ controls us having concluded that one died for all therefore all died how is that significant that is the good news one died for all of us therefore we've all paid our sin debt and the sin debt is paid It's just a reminder that we're okay with God, no matter how we see ourselves. In Romans 6, 7, it says that the one who has died has been acquitted from all sin. Parallel. So, So if one died for all, and the conclusion is all died, doesn't matter if you believe in him, don't believe in him, do good, try to do good, not so good. He says, I'm convinced of this, that if, and he did, one died for all, then the conclusion is all died. And if all died, then they've been acquitted from all sin. Says Romans 6, 7. Says Romans 6, 7. So, Then it goes on to say, I'm picking up in in verse 16, Therefore, from now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him that way no longer. We should unpack that a little bit, right? Yeah, that one's a... It almost sounds... when we think of flesh, we think of going on the bar, going to the bars, and you know, carnality. Carnal, yeah. Because a lot of times the flesh is called the carnal man. The carnal man can be a guy doing his best in human effort. Yes, and a, a pretty decent guy. Yes, that is the natural man, the, the one born on our with the birth certificate and has a driver's license. Or he can be the the man that lives to <laughs> have a good time all the time. He could be that guy, too. But most of the time, 
They're both in the flesh, though. Yeah. Whether you're a Pharisee or a drunkard, you still need to know that Christ had to die for you. Yes. Because some of the Pharisees thought, you know, I live an exemplary life and I'm cool because of that. And Jesus said, you have to be perfect. No one is cool in God's sight. So Paul starts out with this. This is settled to Paul. Yes. He's convinced. He's says the love of Christ compels me, constrains me. It's literally got me hemmed in on all sides. There's no escaping this truth that one died for all. He's convinced of this. Yes. It's settled. Right. So they've been acquitted for all their sins. Another great thing about dying is Romans 7, 4, 4, maybe 5. It says that that the law has authority over a person only as long as they're alive. But if they die, they've been released from the law. And they're free to be joined to Christ. The two become one. They can marry. In a sense, it's saying that you were in a covenant with the law, but now you're in a covenant with Christ. In a sense, you were married to the law, but now you're married to Christ, which he says in Ephesians 6, I think, that for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be... Five. It's Ephesians five. 5, but that's exactly what I was going to say. The two become one, one flesh. flesh. I'm speaking about Christ and the church. And you're free to be joined to another bride or another groom in, as our place because the law has authority over you only as long as you live. When you're married to someone, you're not free to marry someone else as long as your spouse is still alive. Sadly, that became the verse to teach that you can't get a divorce and remarry. I, I don't know why. I don't even know why I brought that bummer yeah. out there, but it's got nothing to do with it. It's Paul saying that you were in this covenant with of law, Israel was, and you're bound to that law as long as you're alive. But when you die... You've been released from the law, so now you can be joined to Christ. That's good news. That's the meaning of in Christ. Bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, joined to him. He's in us and we're in him. Okay, Bill. So what you're saying is in Christ, in Christ, we are a new creation. And that is what we want to work on tonight. What that new creation is so that we don't think we're a person that got cleaned and then we got dirty again and lost our salvation or something, or that we are supposed to act all the time like this new creation. And we'll get an understanding of that by defining and showing what this new creation is. And I believe we can do that with a quick look at verse 16 where it says therefore now we recognize no man according to the flesh even though we have known Christ according to the flesh yet now we know him thus no 
longer. We don't know him according to the flesh. What does that mean? We don't say John is a good guy, he's a new creation, and Joe is not, based on what performance their flesh does. No, that's a, that's a tricky one to understand. What you're saying, what Paul is saying, is since we don't recognize anyone according to the flesh, the flesh would be in Adam. But the Spirit is in Christ. Amen. Amen. The flesh is in Adam. The Spirit's in Christ. And we can look at some examples from the book of John. The book of John will tell us, show us what you and I are trying to say. So it'll say it better than we can say it. But in the book of John, Jesus spells it out for us. Uh, I'm talking about John 14, starting in verse 8, where Philip says to Jesus, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. And Jesus said, Philip, have I been with you for so long? Have you not come to know me yet, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How do you say, show us the Father? He's saying, if you've seen me doing these miracles and stuff, you did see God. Looking at Jesus according to the flesh would be just saying, man, Jesus is really powerful. But looking at Jesus, the way Jesus says, make a righteous judgment would be going, man, God's working right through Jesus. I can actually see God. So it's not that Jesus has a bunch of powerful power. It's that God is in Jesus doing these miracles. That's exactly what he said. Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe on account of the miracles themselves. Truly I say to you that anyone who believes in me shall do these miracles and even greater ones than these. But he says, believe that it's the Father in me showing himself just because the miracles are being done. And that's the same for us. We say, believe that it's God in me doing these things whenever we show an act of kindness or we walk like a model citizen. It's not, hey, Bill's a new creation and Joe's not a new creation. No, it's Bill is in the spirit and the spirit is manifesting himself through Bill and not the old man of us is manifesting himself through Bill. So it's same person manifesting Adam or manifesting the new man, Christ. That is what 2 Corinthians calls not judging people according to the flesh, even though we used to judge Jesus that way, but we do it no longer. We don't do that. Like Jesus said, if you've seen me doing good things, you've seen the Father in me. 
here in Second Corinthians, it, it's saying, if you've seen good things... You've seen Christ in me yes, doing them. Yes, and that's what it means when it says he's a new creation. In other words, he's old things have passed away and new things have come, is what it says. In other words, if he's in Christ, he's a new creation... The old man has passed away. You're no longer fellowshipping with the old man, but now you're fellowshipping with the new creation. You're fellowshipping with what Ephesians calls the new man. And that guy's cool to fellowship with. It literally says in Romans 6, it's called the old man of us, which would mean the new man of us is Christ. The old man of us is Adam. The new man of us is Christ. That's what we judge. Am I am I seeing a manifestation of Adam or am I seeing a manifestation of Christ? But I don't judge according to the flesh. Meaning, Meaning that guy's got pretty good flesh. He's a good person. Or otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have corrected the rich young ruler when he said, good teacher, what good things must I do to get eternal life, which is what we're talking about, getting this eternal life. And he said, why do you call me good? Jesus isn't being humble. He's seeing if this man knows who he's talking to, because he's talking to the Son of God who manifests his Father in him. That's the good, that's the good manifestation that the rich young ruler was seeing. But Say Jesus does Okay. Say, say that, that. He says, good teacher, what good things must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? Only, my, only God is good. Therefore, any good is going to be a manifestation of Christ. When Jesus was in the flesh, the good that people saw was his father in him. He said, it's my father doing it. Have, I knew, have you been with me so long, do you not see the father? What we're doing is we're looking for Christ in the person. We're looking for a manifestation of Christ in the person. So we can say, I, when I see good things, I see Jesus in someone, I, any man. Any man in Christ is a new creation. That's the judgment we're allowed to do. We, we can judge whether they bear fruit or not. And we know it's only the spirit that bears fruit. So we can judge if the spirit is working or manifesting itself through the person. We are allowed to judge that. We're not even allowed to judge, is Joe a good person or Jim a good person? Jim's a bad person and Joe's a good person. We're told not to make that kind of judgment. We're not allowed to judge that. Paul said that specifically, stop passing judgment several times. Because when you're passing judgment on that person's got better flesh than that person, because they don't do these things, you're either going to have a, a high opinion of yourself or a low opinion of yourself. And at the end of the day, it's all flesh anyway. None of it counts. The flesh counts for nothing. So to judge who's got better flesh is not the point. 
the point is discerning whether that's flesh or the spirit. The best flesh is still flesh. The worst flesh is still flesh. And if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. So now on, we know no one after the flesh. If we know no one after the flesh, then we certainly can't judge their flesh and say who has the the best flesh. Because it's right. all, it's all flesh. short of the glory of God. All flesh is fallen short. The, be- the best of the best. Yes. Jesus said, John the Baptist, no one greater according to the flesh, but the least, the least in the kingdom of God, the least in Christ is better than John on his best day. Yes. Yes, because the foolishness of God is better than the wisdom of man. First Corinthians 1. And the weakness of God is stronger than Exactly. The strength of men. Exactly. The best strength. So when it's saying, if any man's in Christ, we've got to remember what that phrase in Christ means. And we do the Galatians 3.3. Are you so foolish after having begun in the spirit, are you now trying to attain the goal in human effort? You're either in Christ or or in the spirit. Let me say that again. There's a sense in which you're either in Christ or in the spirit. And that is when we're talking about temporal doctrines. Temporal doctrines tell you that you can be either in Christ or in the flesh. They can. They tell you that you can either manifest Christ or manifest the flesh over and over it keeps picturing this idea of being able to judge whether somebody's in the flesh or in the spirit. So when it says, if any man is in Christ, he's now out of the flesh and in the spirit, he's a new creation. Old man has passed away and new man has come. I'm borrowing from Ephesians 4, and sliding it in there because it says the old has passed away and the new has come. The old man has passed away and the new man has come. Yeah, and I I think you said in Christ or in the spirit when you meant to say in Christ or in the flesh. As, okay, okay, good. Thank as you. a contrast. Thank you. But if you said it as a comparison, in Christ and in the spirit are synonymous. Yes, yes. Not judging your flesh. See, even if you're mad as a hornet at somebody because they've been in the flesh and they're just bugging you to death, once they're in Christ and not in the flesh anymore, it's a whole new creation, a whole new person. And that person, you don't have to, you don't take it out on that person. If he's in the spirit, there's no need to take your punishment out on him because he's not the human nature anymore. It's, it's all new. You can go back to having fun. Your worries are over in regard to fellowshipping with this person. He's going to be cool for the rest of the day or as long as Christ is in him manifesting. I think that's where I went wrong. I'll speak for myself. I tried to improve my flesh 
to have better flesh so that I could actually say I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away. I don't do those old things anymore. And I do new things. All things have become new. But that's an attempt at a new leaf, as they say, or starting anew, a New Year's resolution. New Year's resolution, yes. We're tied up on the correcting each other <laughs> one to one. And that but that is not what Second Corinthians five is no and back then second uh, this passage right here, the reason we're talking about it is be, because both of us have the same testimony about this passage. It actually scared the dog out of us because we thought we were not good enough to be the new creation. This passage was a monkey wrench thrown into our minds and it tortured us, both of us. We both have the same testimony concerning this passage and what it did to us. It did us harm. It may be doing some of you harm out there. We hope that if it is, that this will set you free and you can understand that it's just a moment by moment thing that he's talking about. When you're in Christ, you're cool. When you're not in Christ, you're not cool. Christ in us is the eternal life that's mentioned over and over and over in John. And he says in John 17, this is eternal life, that you may know God, experience God. That's what eternal life is. It's the same thing as that you're experiencing the kingdom. The kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the spirit. The eternal life is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Spirit. The eternal life is the Spirit of Christ in you. And it transcends time. That's why it can say, old things have passed away, all, behold, all things are new. In time, in the realm of time, you live in the moment. But the eternal life is the I am of the old covenant which means I exist I I don't it doesn't say I was or I will be it says I am and that is the secret to contentment is living in the moment of experiencing the eternal life the I am in you is the life that like Paul said we, do, we don't look at what's seen, which is in time, mm -hmm. but what is unseen. We get, get a load of that. We actually look at what's unseen. Remember, we did that word. It's scopos. Yes. We, we scope out what is unseen. What is unseen is the eternal life. Eternal life. And we look for manifestations of the eternal life and then he goes on to say for what is seen is temporal it's the word kairos where we get our word seasonal we're going through a season but we don't look for we don't look at that we look for the eternal life in the situation of what we're going through and man that gives you peace and that's what all the tests and the trials are for. Like in James, when it says, 
Count it all joy when you face trials of various kind, knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Well, faith is a fruit of the Spirit, knowing that the testing for this fruit of the Spirit, or as 1 Corinthians 12 says, it is a manifestation of the Spirit. And the trials, you're either going to manifest the Spirit or the nature of Adam. It, It is all telling you about your two natures from the time they got to the first gospel till the end of revelation you're being told about your two natures and it'll come clear over the next year's podcast because we'll we'll show so many sightings of those two natures that so it's it's one person two natures one person two manifestations one person in Christ, one person in Adam. That's what it means when it says we don't view people according to the flesh anymore, right there in Second Corinthians 4. We view no man according to the flesh anymore. The two natures. Because, G- well, Paul had just said in Second Corinthians 5.14 where we started that the love of Christ convinced him because he was convinced that one died for all. So when we see a manifestation of the old man, we, when we see a manifestation of Adam, when we see a manifestation of the, the flesh, we also know we're convinced that that person died and that they were judged and that sin is not being counted against them anymore. And that brings us to our ministry that Paul says we have this, what, ministry of reconciliation? Yes. After it says old things have passed away and new things have come, it says, now all these things are from God who reconciled himself to us through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So you're right, Bill. He did give us the this new ministry and it says God was in Christ isn't that what Jesus said don't you know if you've seen me you've seen God God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them he has placed in us the word of reconciliation Bill and I have and you do too have the word of reconciliation it's been placed in you for you to use and tell other people hey you're reconciled to God just reckon yourself as reconciled to God think of yourself as reconciled to God that's our ministry and that's what we're telling you he gave us the ministry of reconciliation and I always thought it was up to me to reconcile God to me something I could do to get God to accept me again well, I, pretty much a lot of people think I, that I thought that when I thought about this new creation back then it scared me I thought I've got to work real hard to be at new creation status when it wasn't telling me that at all it was just saying when the flesh quits manifesting itself and the spirit manifests himself you're just a whole new creature 
And this is the secret of how to get back in fellowship with the Spirit, is to be convinced of this truth, that one died on behalf of all, that your sins are not being counted against you, that your sins and lawless deeds are out of the mind of God. They play no role whatsoever. They were already dealt with. He does not view you according to the flesh anymore. Knowing that activates the spirit. Trying to improve the flesh or trying to get recon- trying to get God reconciled to you by confessing all your sins, doing penance, will not get the new creation. You'll just see more of the old creation trying to do something that was already done. Get God. And you'll see li- uh, sin spring to life. <laughs> you will. That's That's the irony of it trying not to sin to be reconciled to God puts you back on the mind of the flesh the mind of the flesh brings about the deeds of the flesh and you're right back and then you're just spiraling downward the performance treadmill once again and then you're wondering am I even a new creation or to me am I even a Christian right and Back I go to rededicate oh, my life. That tore me up, man. This this passage tore me up when I was young. The only thing I could count on is I knew if I walked forward to the altar and rededicated my life, I could look to my left or right and I'd see Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Those and, pastors had us going, didn't they? Oh, we did some. I feel so bad so many times, man. As if that will change. A person's just make them feel like dirt will change them. Right. It right. doesn't. It made me feel depressed. I literally got clinically depressed from how bad I felt about myself because they kept saying, I haven't done enough. I haven't done enough. I've got to try harder. I'm weak in this area. Every verb they picked, I was weak at doing the verb. So what we talked about so often, I think the last podcast, is it our goal to stop sinning or is it our goal to get to know Christ? In an experiential way. To experience Christ. That's the goal of the Christian life. That is the goal of the Christian life. Paul said, forgetting the past, I press on towards the higher calling of God in Christ. In other words, he wants to be have a greater calling on his life so that Christ will manifest himself more because he's counted everything else as a loss. There's nothing more valuable than experiencing Christ, is what Paul said. And then he said, I want to get to this upper calling of God, which makes me experience Christ all the more. This one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, what lies behind? Adam, the old man, and straining toward what's ahead, Christ. So the guy that wrote 2 Corinthians 5.14 also wrote this passage in 3. So if you ever wanted to ask Paul, what's the one thing you do, Paul? He tells us right here, this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind the old creation and straining toward what's ahead the new creation 
If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Adam was the old creation. He forgets that. He forgets his flesh. The flesh counts for nothing. But the Spirit gives life, and that's what Paul was straining for. That was the one thing he did. That's what he said. Not that I've become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that which I was laid hold of. I lay hold of more Jesus who laid hold of me. It says I forget what's behind me, and I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward calling in Christ. Upward calling of God in Christ. In other words, he wants God to tell Christ to do a huge ministry through him so he can experience more. He wants a higher calling than he has. He wants Christ to have a higher calling, a higher job than he's seen Christ do through him. He wants Christ to even do more through him so he can experience him because like I said before, experiencing God, Paul said, was the most valuable commodity on earth. He did say that. That's the whole Philippians 3. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. The fellowship of his suffering, I don't want to know that. Well, Paul did, so he do something. And he just kept saying, I want to know him, as if he didn't know him. He, Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus. I'm pretty sure you know him, Paul. Yeah. But he, that's not what he was talking about. He said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. Yes. I want How to. Could, could you say that? Didn't he resurrect a guy named Eutychus that fell asleep during his, his sermon? I probably would have said, man, serves the guy right. Falling asleep during yeah. my message. Yeah. What's the matter with that boy? But no, Paul said, I want to know the power of his resurrection. He laid on top of this guy, Eutychus, who was dead and raised him from the dead. But he said, that's, that's not enough. I want to know more of the power of his resurrection. I want to know more fellowship in the Spirit. I want to know more about the sufferings of Christ. If the Apostle Paul, who wrote all these epistles and had been in the ministry 30-some years, acted like he just got a taste of it and wanted more, which more is the prevalent word in Philippians chapter 3, I want more, 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 more of Christ. Then if he can say that, what awaits us? Don't we want to know more of Christ? Yes. That's what the new creation life is about. Getting to know him. Jesus said it. This is eternal life that you may know me. Experience. Right, experience. Yeah. Because Paul already knew all he could know about God. If he thought it was Paul wants to know God more, he already knew all he was going to know of God. He, he went to the to third experience God. He wanted to experience God. Yeah, he he went to the third heaven and saw things he could not talk about or wasn't able to talk about. I don't know which. I've heard both yep. cases. That wasn't enough to carry him 
throughout his elder years. He wanted to experience more of Christ. There's nothing better than experiencing Christ. You know when you're knowing him, I guess you could say. With that in mind, we'll close in prayer, asking God to make you experience the mind of Christ so that you can go through these scriptures and look at them and hopefully this Second Corinthians 4 passage will not scare you the way it or torment you the way it tormented me. And I could probably say Bill too. It did. We don't want that to happen to you. So I, I pray, Lord, allow us to see what the scriptures in Second Corinthians 4 are saying. Allow us to realize and understand those scriptures for what they are and allow us to experience this new creation that God has created for us to do works through us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Good night, you guys. Good night, you guys. Love you. <laughs>